Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana, and you're listening to the Mall Over Cotpost. Hello and welcome to this week's Mall Over Podcast. The only rugby podcast that gives them the news, views, and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter. We are at Mall Over Podcast. We are Mall Over, Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook, and you can find all of our audio content on Anchor and Apple Podcasts and lots of other podcatching devices. Not our fucking Alexa yet, though. Um, Adam, <laughs> I'm going to blame you for that. I, I I don't work for them. Like it's it's nothing to do with me. I know, but you told me how to do it, and they haven't. They literally have not uh, not responded to my request, so they can get fucked. Jeff Bezos can eat shit. Um, uh, as you can as you can tell um, via a very uh, rudimentary introduction, tonight is not going to be a rugby podcast. We did have a an episode of Punching Chat planned, which is why Adam's here. So welcome. Adam, how are you? I am very well, thank you, Russ. And thank you for asking. It's always nice to be asked. It's it's an absolute pleasure. Um, and Ben is also here. Evening, Ben. Hi, mate. Now, we were supposed to uh, have the household's favourite, the farm vet with us, but technology has let him down. And um, the short, angry one was also supposed to be with us, but he pulled out last minute because he is an absolute dweeb. So instead of a traditional four-way punching chat, we're going to do something slightly different. Adam's going to host. He's also going to drop in with some answers, hopefully. And rather than the arbitrary scoring system that you may or may not have, have heard of. It's what a we're very do... sophisticated scoring system. Yes. Yes, 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 of course. We are going to open it out. So at the end of the episode, when we put it out, we'll also um, follow it with a Twitter poll that says, uh, who do you think won this episode of Punching Chat? So rather than Adam making the decision, we are going to put fate in your hands. And um, we'll have to carry out some kind of forfeit 
obviously that's only Ben and I, at the Mallover Invitational game. How does that sound, Ben? Some sort of drinking forfeit, maybe, or yeah, some or sort of forfeit. Kicking a field goal, something like that. Maybe kicking a field goal. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll carry out something. And and you guys as listeners can decide what that forfeit is, I reckon. Just to make it interesting. So you decide. I mean, I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna end up losing this based on uh popularity, just in general. <laughs> so um, you yeah, know, let's let's see how it goes. So, uh, Adam, why don't you, uh, as the host of Punching Chat, world-renowned, um, I, what I'll also say is there is a, a derivative of Punching Chat which appears on um, a multi-nationwide uh, platform that actually stole one of our questions. Are you aware of this? I've never heard of any sort of similar show. Well, yeah, there, there is... There there is unfortunately there is a a copycat show um that appears on as i say on uh well a semi-reputable station and it um one of the questions the other week was uh who is sports greatest lefty and i'm pretty sure that we answered that question um quite some months ago yeah yeah we did um, ahead of the curve as usual yeah and i'm in contact with with our uh our people our lawyers just to see where we stand <laughs> on this <laughs> you get them to kick amazon up the backside on, of it on yeah. some very unsteady ground is where we stand. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah unbelievable these people yeah they're always trying to kick the little man when they're down they are um this this new format by the way it it's it's become all a rage you know, take something that's popular and reduce the number that take part or the length of it slightly. And that's absolutely um, because and, and, and if we're honest, make it sit. worse. Yeah, make it worse. <laughs> um, I mean, which leads on to shown that people can't sit through a, an episode that's over an hour of punching chat. So slim it down a bit. Yeah. And, cha- and change the rules. <laughs> and get the uh, get the host to answer some questions. Yeah, I haven't prepared for that at all, uh, which which may become clear. Question of sport, punching chat, fighting talk. What does that tell you about sports quiz shows? <laughs> People <laughs> love them. Let's make more of them. <laughs> um, that would normally get you a point, Ben. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I could do that. But that's, that's moribund, that little uh, soundboard <laughs> today. Why don't we start? And I might, I may decide to nick some of Phil's answers if I if I choose to give one. But I mean, this is really a head to head with you two. Um, so first question, as it's the All Over podcast, and you've been talking about the Lions tour after its lacklustre anticlimax. When else has a huge sporting event or occasion left you feeling completely underwhelmed? Um, Russ, you seem like the the right guy to start with that. Um. Yeah, well, it, it's an odd one, this, because in 2006, uh, I was still in the RAF. I just got back from Oman, uh, where I'd spent, you know, a, a tour protecting our great country against the Taliban while by sitting next to a hotel pool um, and uh, sleeping during night shifts, but don't tell my boss. And, um, I d- yeah, I just got back, and it was the summer of the Germany World Cup, 2006, and I decided on a whim 
literally it, it 10 o'clock one evening me and my mate we got in my astra we drove to ramsgate and got on a ferry you know barefooted and um <laughs> not and, not with just a a, a small bar of toblerone no, a medium size with a medium-sized toblerone for company and uh yeah so and we drove to gelsenkirchen literally nuki to gelsenkirchen in however long it took which is the home of Schalke. And we pitched a tent and we waited and we went, we, we actually went to the World Cup quarterfinal. We got tickets by, via the, uh, the tower system, 250 euros a pop. And we were in the stadium for the England-Portugal World Cup quarterfinal. The, uh, the one where Rooney got sent off for stamping on Ronaldo and the whole winker incident. And we missed penalties and it was just a, you know, it was a, a real deflation, but the the build up to the game in the Gelsenkirk in town, the you know the atmosphere, the England. I mean, it was you hear a lot about troublemakers and football violence, all sorts of stuff. Didn't see one punch thrown in a whole like in forty eight hours that we were there. The the atmosphere was amazing. The sun was shining, just drinking in the streets. It was it was incredible, and. To go from that sort of elation to losing on penalties, we literally walked from the, the stadium to the campsite, had some food, went to bed, got up at five o'clock the next morning and drove home. <laughs> that was that was that was literally the 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 story. And as I say, to to the elation of being part of the atmosphere, World Cup quarter final, all of the Gerard, Lampard, it was the um World Cup where he took Walcott and like um, Baden Baden and the Wags and all that sort of shit. And um, yeah, the, the deflation at the end of that game, it was a bit like, it just it was a bit like the World Cup, the Rugby World Cup quarterfinal, I guess, but except we were in the stadium. So yeah, that's when I felt most deflated or were most underwhelmed. God bless Sven, the, the, the randy little man that he was. <laughs> still is. Um, he's not dead. Uh, and he's allegedly still Randy. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Almost <laughs> certainly. Um, ben, how about yourself? <clears throat> well, I was going to um, go for baseball uh, for the simple reason that we went to the um, Yankees against uh, Red Sox in London and it was £7.50 a pint. Ooh. And uh, my missus was so bored, I was genuinely concerned she was going to just Attack me with a plastic glass and leave me in a pool of blood. Um, but I thought I was a bit unfair on the on the game on the game itself. So um, I, I changed my answer. I I really enjoyed the Olympics and I was I was really keen to give the new sports a, a try, as in by watching them, not actually doing them. Um, <laughs> and I thought the skateboarding was going to be quite good fun. Um, and the the first day of the Olympics, I tuned in for the skateboarding, expecting kind of thing you used to see Tony Hawks do and it seemed to be a lot of youngsters dressed like they were going to go to a Limp Biscuit concert in the late 90s uh, tripping over railings <laughs> so they all had backwards caps baggy cargos and and shirts on with with um headphones in I mean it's the Olympics boys <laughs> headphones um and then they would just like roll quite slowly towards some steps and then fall over um 
which didn't really seem to be that Olympian to me. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the BMX was brilliant. And the other skateboarding that they did later, that the um, the young girl got a, bro- a, a bronze medal, was, was a bit more entertaining. But that, that first event was um, pretty dull. Okay, I I, um, I did get an answer from Phil. Um, in fact, let's not worry about that. I might steal one or two of his if I can remember what they were. The next one, I definitely am. Um, I'm going to go with, purely off the top of my head, November 2006. Do you remember the 2005 Ashes and what an absolute thrill that was? One of the, the best sporting summers that there has ever been. And England had a really good team, but... There were sort of a couple of injuries here and there, and it sort of it wasn't a anticlimax afterwards. Well, I guess there was. We went on tour to Pakistan and India and played okay, played all right the following summer. But then there was the away ashes that followed. You think actually, okay, a couple of injuries. The team's not quite the same, but it's mostly the same. We're going to give them a good run for their money in their own backyard. And November two thousand six. Obviously, I stay up late. Brisbane, first test, very first delivery. Steve Harmison, uh, as fast as he possibly could, which at that point probably wasn't that quick, but he managed to propel the ball to Andy Flintoff at second slip. And that was it. We were absolutely annihilated. And what was quite exciting in my head was utter anticlimax. Were you watching that on telly or on listening to radio? On TV, me and my mate, we were listening to it on Radio 4 and the commentary just went, Harmison comes into bowl and then they went, it's gone straight to second slip. So we, we thought that meant wicket first ball. So we were delighted <laughs> for about a minute until we realised what had happened. <laughs> I mean, normally a second slip fielding the ball, it will have come off an edge, but not on that occasion, sadly. Um I mean, there's a bit of redemption for Harmy. He was in the 2019, wasn't he? But that, that's, that's just a horrible memory, yeah, really. Disgusting. All right. Um, question two. Let's, let's move on to that. And we had a question about the 100, um, similar to this, really. How would you change another sport or format if your sole brief was to drive away existing fans? Um, in fact, I'll, I'll immediately kick, kick off and... Steel Phil's answer, which was absolutely bang on. Um, it would be taking alcohol away from darts. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah. imagine what you're left with. I mean, they, they, they once once the the players stopped drinking and started taking a little bit more seriously, that was a bit more frustrating. There's a great um, there's a great Smith and Jones sketch. Have you seen Have you seen the Smith and Jones sketch yes, where they where yes. they do the uh, they actually throw for drinks and they go down and uh, well, if, if you haven't seen it, get on YouTube and it's, uh, it's very good. Excellent. Um, Russ, what was your answer well, going to be? At the time I was trying to, to play to the host as you do. <laughs> and I'll, uh, I'll openly admit that now. And my idea, and it's something a little while to think about is to really, really, um, you know, the people that watch American football are very protective of it. And they're very protective of how hard the players hit each other. So my idea would be to basically ban contact in American football. 
and basically get the best players in the world or the best players, yeah, the best players in the world to just play flag football or tag football, but no contact allowed. So you've got uh, you know, wide receiver running down the wing and somebody has to snatch a little Velcro tail from him as opposed to uh, try to smash his legs from beneath him. I can just imagine Dougie's reaction to this. <laughs> um, yeah, it doesn't quite get the juices flowing, does it? Um, ben, no. what would you do to ruin another sport? Well, I, I tell you what I'd do. I would do. I would find a sport that has got a really serious welfare issue. And rather than addressing it by, for example, playing less games or getting proper medical facilities in place, I'd change the rules to make it completely arbitrary when something was dangerous and something isn't. And I'd increase yellow and red cards by five times. And I would make sure that everything is able to be cut into small gifts to be put on the Internet. And I'd slow the game up so the referee and a a little grass up in the stadium could go through it frame by frame. And they could just judge intent in slow motion. That's the best way to judge intent. I, yeah, yeah I, I would make every game last at least two hours. And I would reduce every single post game to a debate about red and yellow cards. <laughs> Luckily, there aren't any sports doing that at the moment. No, definitely not. <laughs> I do. I do like um, I like the thought of the TMO being referred to as stadium grass. <laughs> So, uh, like the referee just goes, uh, "Can I, uh, can I get the stadium grass on the line, please?" Chief uh, grass, excuse please. me, excuse me, Chief Chief Snitch, can you, uh, can you just have a look at them there for me? <laughs> All right, next next up, um, now that we've got crowds back, which which doesn't get mentioned enough um, in the media, does it? Commentators aren't pointing that out to us quite enough, are they? <laughs> Um, but now that we've got the back, what was the net? What was the best sporting moment from the last eighteen months that actually took place without a crowd? Um, ben, what was your? Uh, what are you going with here? Well, if I was going to go at a very general level, I would definitely say the Olympics. Um, the, the, obviously, there's a lot of events at the Olympics that could have done with a crowd, um, and and some of the sports were almost impossible to follow without one. Um, but I, I think I've narrowed it down to the uh, the cycling at the Olympics in the velodrome. Um, okay. Because yeah. that, you know, the atmosphere in that place, you know, because it's of the shape and it, um, the way the crowds are, I think it really, really um, sets the event off. And uh, if I had to narrow it down any further, I'd say the Madison event, which is the one where they um, catapult that, each other forward. Yeah. Is that... It, is that the one? Oh no, I was going to say, is that the one where they? Um, it's not the one with the motorbike. They follow the, the motorbike. No, um, but yeah. So, um, so I'm going with the Olympics in in general and the cycling in particular. Some of those cycling events are fantastic. The yeah, the the is it the Kieran with the the like the motorized guy, like yeah. old guy on a bike, <laughs> who just poodles around for a couple of laps and just lets them lets them warm up. There's, I thought that Madison was absolutely fascinating because they, if they time it right, they would just catapult each other straight to the start, uh, to the front. And every 10 laps, they got points. And 
I thought that was brilliant. There's a there's a like an omnium type race. Have you seen that where they they do lots of different races all within the same? That's like a decathlon, yeah, like a decathlon, like a decathlon, decathlon of cycling. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Love, but then, but some of the events, like the point, like you say, the points race, and every lap or every two laps, whatever it is, the person at the back gets eliminated, mm. which is which is really good fun. I mean, they should be shot. Like, pro- <laughs> like imagine the person at the back being properly eliminated. <laughs> I mean, maybe I mean, that's that's a, maybe that's a rule. That is pressure, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. like a Hunger Games style. And if you're at the back, at the end of the belled lap. <laughs> Like who ironically sits next to the the, the stadium grass, and uh, he the the stadium grass would would say right it was uh, it was the Dutch rider that finished last. The and then stadium got to grass the... was busy in the taekwondo, weren't they? Oh god, they were busy, weren't they? <laughs> Those fucking whatever card uh, they called it VAR in taekwondo, unbelievable. <laughs> Um, I'd a couple of things that I can think of. There's no football, by the way. No football gets anywhere near this discussion. Um, poor old, it was Zach Crawley got a double hundred, didn't he, in front of absolutely nobody? And that, while that's a great thing, it just yeah just highlights the the difference that nobody there makes. Um, one ra- random thing popped into my head. Um, it was the, the World Snooker last year in front of nobody. And um, Kyron Wilson made the final and he won his semi-final final frame on the back of a complete fluke. And I've never seen someone so emotional and like visibly upset as his, his reaction was just, I didn't want, it, want this to happen this way. And it was just pure, there was no, nobody had to see it but cameras and commentators, but pure emotion. And it was a really, really weird moment where the, dynamics of what should normally be there just completely wrong and back did to you, front did you see the um snooker the other day where the guy was playing his ex-girlfriend of mark allen yeah, <laughs> and she blacked she completely blanked him <laughs> that was like a professional snooker match between a man and a woman yeah so the the backstory is that they well their ex-husband and wife i think i don't know if they were married but um and it's a really bitter breakup that they and they won't speak to each other and they happen to get drawn together in the first round of this of this tournament or else they happen to get drawn together there's no way that barry hearn has (laughs) has done this by accident is there it's not like the fa cup where the draws televised and you've got people picking the balls out the sack barry hearn's just gone just done an excel random number generator hasn't he and just keep hitting refresh until he gets one and two yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, know, he knows what makes good TV that man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair one. Russ, you haven't, you haven't given us an answer, have I you? Have. have you? I have. Not, not, no, not, not, audio, not in audio form, um, <laughs> which, which is obviously the most important. Um, so don't, don't worry, listeners. I, you I did give to... it on WhatsApp earlier. <laughs> you don't need to hear it. I tried to to do similar thing to Ben and just state the whole Olympics. And because uh, there was lots of stuff that I enjoyed watching. But the moment that I enjoyed the most, and Ben, you mentioned the cycling, I thought it was fascinating to watch the swimming without a crowd. Mm. Because the swimming is another event where 
the crowd really get involved and especially for some of the the home athletes it just gives them that extra one or two percent but the actual the actual event that i enjoyed probably the most was the um 200 no was it the 100 no 200 meter mixed medley relay okay yeah yeah where you have two two men and two women and they they all do their their stroke as it were and they can set out their tactic they have to do the, the the strokes in a particular order but they could they can choose which competitor obviously does which stroke so you had um adam pt you know world record holder unbelievable athlete probably one of britain's greatest olympian you know he's got to be getting towards it now certainly the greatest swimmer that we've ever produced and um he swam the breaststroke leg, which was second. But they, they, the the Great Britain team went man, well, woman, man, woman, no, man, fuck me, woman, man. No, the woman this finished. This isn't a seating plan at your wedding, mate. Yeah. Come on. Anyway, right. So as it transpired, Adam Peaty, the, the the girl went first. She did the backstroke. She was against the men, the male Olympic champion and the male. Um, world champion so she was well down and then adam Peaty takes over on the breaststroke but he was then swimming against some of the females and he made up loads of ground and, and the last one was the style and there's an american guy called caleb dressel who was like the um michael the, the america's new michael phelps and it was the british the british girl doing the freestyle last and he was literally chasing her down like a train I've never seen anything like it. It was it was unbelievable the the speed that he was going at in relative terms to the speed that she was going at, and you know the the Great Britain team won with a world record, which like the world record is this is the first time it's been in the Olympics, so they got an Olympic record because it's the first time it's been there. But it was also a world record, which it was just an amazing an event to watch. I thought. I, in I, I was going to say in in Adam Peaty's heat. He for his his individual race, he set the eighth fastest time of all time, and on commentary they said that doesn't sound very impressive until you realise that the seven in front of him are all Adam Peaty. Yeah, <laughs> he's unbelievable. Like that for breaststroke, he's just. I mean, what a guy! Absolutely, I enjoyed those events, but I don't. Traditionalists were a bit snooty about some of them like in the athletics. I think. Um, like some of the pundits were like, "Yeah, this is we're not taking this very seriously. It's just, it's just a bit of fun." Well, I think the athletes are taking it seriously, and it's actually really good to see men and women who, well, obviously can't compete equally, but both in the same same team event. I really enjoyed them. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, definitely over like the, the like the four by four, the mixed four by four. I thought was really good because there's there's a real there's a real tactic to it as well. You know, do you want to go out and get yourself a big lead potentially by putting a you know a male runner out first, or do you want to do you want to you know keep your, the men back who are going to run faster legs later on in the race? You know, it's it's an interesting sort of dichotomy, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. All right, next next up, this was going to be the platinum jiffy bag question, um, where I was I would offer nine extra points to any answer that matched mine. Um, Obviously, we're not scoring. So, well, I'll tell you what it is anyway afterwards. Uh, but um, 
the question was, which I can't believe we've never done before, um, given our esteemed host of the Mall Over podcast, of the Mall Over podcast conglomerate. Um, but who is the best Russ or Russell in sport? Obviously, the, Russ. The Mall Overlord. <laughs> <laughs> Mall Overlord. I love that. I might get myself a T-shirt for the Mall Over Invitational <laughs> with Mall Overlord on it. Get, get one made. Do you want me to go first? Yes, I think you should. As the ball overlord. So, um, I had two, and I don't, I don't want to um, sort of give away my American football allegiances um, just in case somebody <laughs> else has chosen that particular. Um, no, I think guy. you're all right. You're um, right. I mean, I, I now only support the Seattle Seahawks because of Russell the Wilson. The Seahawks, yeah. Um, <laughs> because the quarterback is Russell Wilson and it sounds remarkably like Russell Wilson. So that's, that's that. But I have chosen, um, you know, a Russell, a Russell that was a one, a one club man, 1981 to 2004, 54 test matches, 1897 runs, 200s, 650s. And that is Robert Charles Russell. The guy with the smelliest hat in all of cricket. Um, I don't care that we're not scoring. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's... And that was... that was. I'll tell you now, um, Ben, you're not going to be able to follow it because that was the platinum jiffy bag answer. Amazing. Um, which Phil tried to give, by the way. Of course he did. That's why, that's why when I submitted my answers, I submitted the answers to about three of the questions within about five minutes. <laughs> he, he then came back with Russell Arnold, which is a <laughs> real poor man's cricketing Russell. No offence yeah. to him, but, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be in the bag, is he? Yeah. Um, ben, give us your Russell. <clears throat> well, I'll be honest, I was fairly confident knowing who the host was, it was going to be Jack Russell. <laughs> Um, so I went. I mean, for he didn't a- play for Essex. Was the only thing going against yeah. him. Um, but yeah, a man beloved by all England cricket fans, I think, was always going to uh, get there with you. Um, but um, I went for one a little bit out of left field, um, based on the, a documentary called "The Battered Bastards of Baseball." So I've gone for Kurt Russell, the actor. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, Kurt Russell's dad was really into baseball and he decided to break the major leagues. So he bought the Portland Mavericks and they basically went up through the leagues as doesn't happen in American sports. Um, and they beat all the feeder clubs and uh, that basically the, the MLB had to get together and um, change the rules to stop them, stop them qualifying and, 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 and getting, and, and getting into the, uh, into the big leagues, but Kurt Russell is a very good baseball player and he was one of their players. And um, <laughs> it's a, it's a fantastic documentary. If you get the chance, it's on Netflix. I'm not f- familiar with that story particularly. Well, but basically they, they got in anyone who was a bit of a misfit. So they, they got like left-handed pitchers and people that had, um, you know, written press stories and, and, and got blackballed and stuff like that. And they just brought in any sort of misfits that were really talented. And uh, yeah, it's a really good, um, really good show. If you want to watch it. That's two What's baseball that answers. <laughs> what was that called? 
the battered bastards of baseball. Right. <laughs> Excellent. All right. I well, yeah. My answer was Jack Russell as well, as you may have worked out. Um, I'm far too lazy to come up with another one at this point. Um, I don't know. Russell Beardsmore? No, no, never mind. Um, next question. In honour of the return of the Papa John's trophy, what's the worst sponsor in the history of sport? Um, I'll go straight back to you, Ben. <coughs> OK. Harlequins, the Stormers, the Netherlands, Germany. Canada. They were all sponsored by the same company. They all had outstanding rugby shirts, all ruined by DHL, whose logo is red text on a yellow box, which just spreads out across some frankly awesome rugby kits. Can you imagine a Netherlands rugby kit? <laughs> How good that would, that would be, be. Delicious. Um, and Canada's is really nice. Um, that, that, and then it's just got this yellow streak across it. And, and do you remember that one Quinn's had, the sort of faded 100th anniversary one? Just had a yellow streak across it, like sort of custard. Get in the <laughs> bin, DHL. Stop it. We don't <laughs> want your money. Um, Although if you want to sponsor our um, podcast shirts, feel free. Obviously, yeah. um, if, if you've got money, you're welcome. But we'll <laughs> put it across the back because we've already got match sponsors. Um, quick answer off the top of my head. I'm going to go Barcelona and Qatar Airways um, <laughs> for the sole reason that they were so high and mighty for so many years. We're never going to sell our shirt for sponsorship purposes. And then they had UNICEF um, on the front of their shirt for a few years. And they were just, no, we're, we're better than this. We don't need the money. We're not going to sell ourselves. And then yeah, just abandon all that. Qatar <laughs> Airways, welcome in. Look at and them now. And millions of pesetas. And not enough money to pay their players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, they need it more than ever, as you say. Russ, worst sponsor. Uh, well, I, it took me, I, I disappeared down a very dark um <laughs> Football shirt sponsor related rabbit hole. Looking at this question, and there were some there are some absolute gems out there. I mean, my actual answer is AC Milan being sponsored by Poo Jeans in the <laughs> in the mid to late eighties. Um, the likes of Brazy and Maldini just running around with poo all over their shirts. Um, but there are some some gold. Um, Clyde Bank FC being sponsored by Wet Wet Wet. Nice. Uh, Atletico nice. Madrid by Spider Man. Um, Leon uh, in the eighties, Leon were sponsored by Les Sixty Nine, and uh, one of my personal favourites is Scarborough FC being uh, sponsored by Black Death Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Phil did send a couple. He were Team Viewer who have just started sponsoring Man United, haven't they? And um, but then. I think playing to the host mentioned Pom Bears and probably seven other makes of crisps. Oh yeah. Just disgraceful. The, the other one I'll mention is on, on the Arsenal sleeve, which is visit Rwanda. Nah. Uh, yeah, but, all right. Have you seen the story in the news recently about that? It's the, basically the president of Rwanda is a massive Arsenal fan 
and I think it's like a vanity project of his. He want, he wanted like his country on the on the kit, um, and then he's come out and said, "No, actually, I'm quite angry with your performances. You know, step it up." And he's been quite public about it. Um, it just, yeah, I don't I don't want to allege any was, salty um, money's involved here, but there was a really good documentary about cricket in Rwanda, wasn't there? Wasn't that something to do with Jimmy Anderson? I don't know. Uh, rings, rings a bell. I can't say yeah, more than that. They, they, yeah, yeah they, they, it was to do with building their um, national stadium and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. I was about to... <laughs> instinctively, I was going to give recap scores. the scores. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Right, next question instead. After the, the Royal London One Day Cup final played out at Trent Bridge on a Thursday, um, which other events that were once an institution are barely an afterthought these days? Uh, ben, we'll start with you. Well, when you, when you think about um, clashes of the Titans in sport, you know, you think Milan, uh, Madrid and Barcelona, Milan and Juventus, uh, New Zealand and South Africa, and then Oxford and Cambridge. So back in the day, I seem to remember the boat race would be on all day. You'd have the women's boat race. You'd have the nerds boat race. You'd have people talking about the boat race. You'd have a tenuous link to Steve Redgrave to talk about the boat race. What is essentially an uneven contest because it's on a river. So if you get the wrong piece of current, you have, you've had it. Um, as finally seems to have now been relegated to um, BBC Two on a Sunday afternoon, and no one really watches it or talks about it. Which which I can't say I'm very upset about. <laughs> yeah, this isn't about right or wrong. I'm just just pointing these out. Yeah. Um, Russ, what's your answer? Well, I, something's just popped into my head, and given the fact that you know we're, I'm not going to steal anybody else's answer now. I'm going to change my answer late door. So I did say the um, World Championship snooker, the Embassy World Championships, which used to be one of the biggest events in the British sporting calendar. You know, the the coverage used to be all over the BBC. BBC One, Grandstand, you know, all of that sort of stuff. And now, you know, it feels like a bit of an afterthought. But I'm going to suggest, given that what Ben said then about the boat race, is that the FA Cup final used to be this monumental event. They used to go to the hotels before the game. You used to have the, the build-up, the coverage. You know, that was the best bit, watching them turn up in their shit suits and walk on the pitch and chat before the game and... You know, BBC One would be there from 10 a.m. to see the teams arrive in. And, you know, it would, be, it would just be really exciting build up to what was at the time, you know, one of the best days in football. Like every year, FA Cup final, best day, best day in football. It used to be after the league had finished. So it was like the last game to round off the season. And now, like, you've got teams that don't really care about it. They put out, weakened teams you know it the people talk about the magic of the fa cup and i think it's just completely and utterly disappeared 
and I think it starts with the with the final. That's act, that's the perfect answer to this question. Actually, it's as soon as they well probably way before that. As soon as they made it five thirty instead of three o'clock, yeah. that, that was the final nail in the coffin. And um, the semi-finals as well. I'd, I'd say. Yeah, taking take those, those take oh, sorry, away giving them. those back to Wembley or yeah, bringing them to that. Wembley's in a funny, it just devalued them. They're forgettable now. They're just other games at Wembley, but it used to be there'd be a great game at Villa Park or Hillsborough yeah. or Old Trafford or something. And it would just, it would, they'd stick in the memory be, partly because of where they were. There'd be a better atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and there are enough, there are enough incredible stadiums for, for them to have that neutral ground, like depending on where the teams are, somewhere in the middle, you know, if it's Arsenal and Chelsea, play at Tottenham or... Oh, absolutely, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But, 100%. you know, it's just strange, isn't it? There you go. The, the FA Cup. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, final, well, final question before any other business. Um, I, I haven't thought of an answer to this. Um, it's probably for the best. Uh, with the the Paralympics about to start, if you could add a new event to these games, um, what would you come up with? Um, Phil's answer was squash, and I probably I, I don't have anything anything more than that. I'm not sure quite where he was going with this. <laughs> <laughs> um, wheelchair squash could be oh well, squash could be da- it's dangerous anyway uh, with able bodied people. Um, ben, give us your Paralympic event. Okay, I'm going with wheelchair show jumping. <laughs> so, um, obviously, equestrian events are quite a strong part of the Paralympics already, and quite rightly so. But I'm not going down that route. Um, the show jumping, I thought, at the, at the Olympics was, was really entertaining. So I've gone for a kind of hybrid where you've got the uh, wheelchair sprinters, getting a bit of speed up and then around a show jumping course they've got the um gymnastic springboards in front of the jumps <laughs> yeah um i'd say extra points for spins <laughs> but not compulsory a, a bit like the bmx a bit like freestyle yeah, bmx very much so yeah but in it's wheelchairs com- yeah it's not compulsory but they've got to clear the jumps that's important <laughs> the water jump don't get yeah. caught in that. Um, <laughs> no one's going to save you. If you don't buy it, Sky will. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's, I had another idea and I'm, I, I'm not going with that one. <laughs> don't want to lose that nicest guy in quarter of a podcast then tag. Um, well, it, it's a fair chance that Russ might go with it. Um, what mean, are your ideas? Well, my idea is, you know, I think that, um, T20 cricket should be in the, the next Olympics anyway. Yeah, um, I agree. Isn't but, it a little bit too long? Yeah, like, probably. Maybe maybe, the, maybe there's a new format that they could look to introduce. Maybe like do a six over um, game. Anyway, I, were, I won in the Paralympics blind cricket. Have you ever watched blind cricket? Have you ever seen it? Have you ever seen it's it? It's got a big big ball with belt like bells it's on, got a fairly it? big ball with bells on it and they yeah. roll the ball they roll the ball um and obviously the they've got to listen for it and sort of swipe in almost like a hockey stick style they swipe it it, it round 
And I mean, I've seen some unbelievable stuff in in blind cricket. You know, I haven't watched a lot of it, but it is incredibly impressive. So um, I reckon blind cricket would go down an absolute storm. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I dread to think where Phil was going to go with uh, with squash. squash. Did he just misread the question? <laughs> I don't know. Um, his previous answer would have been the institution that is no longer skiing on a Sunday. I could go, yeah. But some of these things, are they were they just because it was the BBC? Uh, the certain things like the boat race. I'm jumping backwards, I know, but I, I, I don't care. Uh, the, the boat race and the Grand National, there were just things that were on grandstand. And, yeah. And now, now things are shown elsewhere, actually... Maybe it was just the BBC that was propping these things up and making them look better than they actually were. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, I, I think I'm going to abstain from coming up with an inappropriate Paralympic events at this point. Um, and let's move into any other business and uh, go back to you, Mr. Milsom. Um, I, I struggled a little bit for this one, but um, what my any other business is going to be... Um, about Sean Locke, the comedian who recently lost uh, a battle with cancer that not many people knew he was fighting. And it, it come as a, a real shock. And a lot of, you know, most celebrity deaths have no impact or, you know, I don't really give a second thought. But when I heard this news, it really it really made me quite sad and yeah. it was it was really it's just a really odd you know odd feeling that you know you could you could you could tell it was the the kind of bloke you'd love to go for a beer with and the way he delivered his jokes the way he you know the way he went about his comedy was just superb and it'll be a, a big miss and Shows like eight out of ten cats does countdown and stuff like that will won't be the the same again. I think lots of comedians seem to use politics to get them get them their laughs or get them their likes or whatever. So it's quite well. I've maybe belittling it, but it's quite an easy thing to do to to jump on a popular political opinion if you're a comic. And that there's just so much of that, like. If, Obviously, a program like Mock the Week, that's its job, but it seems to be all that. Uh, but Sean Locke was just somebody, it was just, it was just about being funny, nothing else. Yeah. You know, no, no sort of agenda or, like, I'm, I'm sure he, he made the odd political joke, Every, everyone does, but it was, it was just about purely being funny. That was it. Yeah. And if, if, if you're witty and you, you can come up with, you can react to something, not just yeah, yeah. obviously prepared stuff, but that, that's what it's about. His his level of observational comedy was just like all of his stuff he could absolutely relate to. And he did it all without being deeply offensive. Like I used to really enjoy Frankie Boyle when he first appeared on Mot the Week and, and you know, and, I, I you know, he, he, he had sort of that shock value. Whereas Sean Locke, yeah had he had a lot of stuff to say but none of it was was deeply controversial it was just honest and funny and i think that's what that's what made him so relatable yeah 100 percent. 
Um, yeah, ma- massive loss. Uh, I didn't I didn't know he was ill. No one unless no. you're close to him did. Um, no. Maybe that's the best way. I mean, it was his way. So absolutely, yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, wouldn't have wouldn't have done anybody any good, would it? But no. Um, there you go. Um, ben, you've got the task of following that. Yeah, I was going to say thanks for that one. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, it's been sunny in Newquay today. Um, oh, weather. Yeah, but it's just been sunny. It's not been hot, and. I've not been near the beach. I've I've not been within two miles of the beach today, but we've driven back and forth along some roads around Newquay. And a lot of men are walking around with their tops off. And I don't think it's necessary. Do you do you think it's necessary? <laughs> what in public? Just I, just not, walking no. down a main road with your top off. It's not that hot. It's Cornwall. No. It's always windy. I just don't think there's a need for it. There's always a breeze. Just if you're on the beach, fair enough. But don't go in the pub with no top on. Don't walk along the main road with no top on. Don't get on the bus with no top on. There's no need for it. No, I'm I'm with you. Like there's no need. What I will say is on on a beach related note, I've been uh, humble brag. I was in Western Supermare last weekend. And uh, a car parked on the beach got got enveloped by the sea after being told not to park in that particular place on the beach. And then today <laughs> at Nuki Harbour, a van parked on the beach in a place a, that, that should I, never, never have been parked. It's about the fifth one this summer in Cornwall. Yeah. yeah. People parking and they're, they're always told don't park there because and then they get stuck and then you just see their car just get washed away. <laughs> Does, it must it must occur to them that there's a chance of that happening well just it's, madness there's um there's a very good um page on instagram called jam and meme there's uh cornish related memes but uh they always keep you very up to date on, oh that uh, sort of jam i'm glad you cleared that up <laughs> <laughs> i wasn't quite sure where that was going but carry on but they, they always, uh, I don't know where you were going with that, mate. Um, but it's, it always keeps you very update on, up to date on the holiday makers getting their cars washed away into the Atlantic. I'm pretty sure this wasn't the Sean Locke joke. Um, but no, uh, yeah, no, I'm going to tell it. What's the difference between jam and marmalade? You can't marmalade your cock up. No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be Frankie Boyle. (laughs) (laughs) It's more up his street, really, isn't it? Oh, allegedly. (laughs) Okay, that's any other business. Um, Let's do Defend the Undefendable. I mean, incredibly, both of you two have made the final. Amazing. So just just in case you're unfamiliar with the format, um, I'm going to give you something undefendable. Um, not my not my views necessarily um, and you're going to try and defend it and you will get a very specific 22 seconds to do that um, Ben I'm going to give you completely randomly the choice of whether you'd like to go first or second I think I'll go second okay then Russ you are going to have spend 22 to sec- 22 seconds defending the following statements 
The next South African ambassador to the UK should be named immediately as Rassi Mas. Oh, Christ. You know I'm going to say. Rassi Mas. Yeah. Him. Ra- Razi Erasmus? Him, yes. So it's, it's interesting. So Razi Erasmus came out with some very valid points during his uh, crazy videos during during the Lions. And with his certain level of wit and, um, you know, some might say observational comedy, I think his, uh, his part is in, a, in an attaché role. Your time is up. I oh, fuck that. There you go. That goes quick. <laughs> Especially if, if the host quick. can't even say the statements um ben you are going to defend this all of the southern brave players should be given an mbe for their fantastic victory in the hundred even james vince well if you gave james vince an mbe he'd wafted it outside off stump and edge it to second slip (laughs) so whoever they played in the final one of them will be getting an mbe um I mean, let's face it. Southern Brave is the best team name I've ever heard. They're the best players in the history of the 100, and they should all be given knighthoods or Victoria Crosses. And your time is up. (laughs) Victoria Cross for being so ruddy, bloody brave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you you nearly said you nearly went there. That would have clinched it. Um, But as as you said, Russ, it's, it's going to be up to listeners. Up to the viewing public. Mm. Incredible. And somehow between the, the three of us, we've managed to keep this going for about 50 minutes. <laughs> so that is, uh, you know, that's time you guys listen to this and not getting back. Um, but thank you. Thank you for coming up with the questions. As always, we do enjoy Punch and Chat. As Adam mentioned, it's down to you, the listeners. We will put a Twitter poll up um, at some point on Monday after this is released for you to vote on who you think has won this episode of punching chat. Um, the options will be Ben, uh, Russ, Adam, or I don't give a shit. And there will be some kind of forfeit for the loser at the mall over invitational match. Just, just, just do it. The you 9th of October. Two, two of you versus each other. Keep it simple. Russ, keep it ben. simple. Right. And, and yeah, so the, the Mallover Invitational, 9th of October in Newquay. Um, we've now got some opposition. We've got a kit sponsor and we are pressing forward. And we hope to see as many of you in Newquay on the uh, on the 9th of October as possible. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in, in a couple of weeks. I think the, the Premiership starting on the 19th of September, which seems such a long, long way away. Um, we might be back with other... Um, conglomerate related podcasts between now and then there's another test match so we might do some long leg um cry into our microphones at the state of english test cricket uh obviously the nfl starts in in three weeks as well so there'll be uh lots of long snapper make sure you check the long snapper podcast out as well and uh hopefully the next time we get together the lensman will be here instead of avoiding us and phil would have sorted his internet out so Uh, All that's left for me to say is uh, go well and we will speak to you very soon. Cheers, gents. I'll speak to you later. Cheers.
Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.